I on? You're on now. Am I on now? Um, can you hear me? Can you hear me? Keep kicking on and off. Check, check. Check, she's yellow. Yeah, just use Probably not. Is that better? Okay. So we'll go ahead and open up in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for giving us life again. Thank you for giving us a new day to live for Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you for Uh, the ability to rejoice, for this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Thank you for the worship time, uh, which was just sweet and special. Father, thank you for your saints. Thank you for your people. We just ask that you would bless your word to our hearts, to our spirits, to our hearing, to our minds and understanding, so that we could be renewed in our mind and transformed into the image of Christ. We pray that your message, that your truth would just sink deep into our hearts and that you would um, use it to spur us onward to love and good works. We praise you, we thank you, we give you glory this day. We just ask that you would Speak your word to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, we just finished VBS at Saratoga Chapel. And I'll tell you, that was, it was so much fun. There were a whole bunch of special, precious little kids, about 130. And it was a lot of fun. It was good fellowship with with other saints. We had a great time. But you know what? It costs money. It takes time. It's exhausting. But I think, for me, one of the funnest things about it all was uh, the last song. So the last song is, it was, that's, so the last song is called Game On, and, um, and the, the last song we did. And it was just so much fun to lead the kids and, you know, doing the dance motions to that song because uh, they just had such, you know, passion and energy, and it was a lot of fun. Another really neat part was Mascot Mania, where Chris would, Chris would, uh, Chris Mancuso would go ahead and ride around on a on a little bike, dress up like Superman, and throw T-shirts out to whatever kids scream the loudest. Absolutely hilarious. I don't think there's anything in the world that's more funny than that. It was so much fun. <laughs> and we're going to do it again down here in Colony in mid-August. So why do we why why do we go through all that? Why do we take a week off of week of vacation why do we put in money all sorts of money to do this thing why do we get exhausted what's the purpose of doing all that so we're going to talk about that so this is about the two front war a war with two fronts and so in any battle there's a front you know a boundary where the enemies you know of each other go ahead and encounter one another each each one's opposing the other one trying to gain more ground you know, they try to push the other one back and take that ground, and then push it, push them back some more, and then take that ground. Push them back some more and take that ground. Meanwhile, the other one's trying to do the same thing, or at least hold their position, right? That's the front. 
And so, like like all quiet on the Western Front, that was in World War One. That was where Germany stood against the Allies, and that was the Western Front in World War One. It's and as Christians, we realize there's a war going on. Also, right? We all we we've got a, a war going on. We've got two fronts to cover. We've got a two front war. So, the first one is has to do with this. So Satan is the god of this world, right? He owns all the kingdoms of this, of this world. That's what he told Jesus. He said, look at this. I own all this, and I can give it to whoever I want. And he was telling the truth. That part is correct. And um, so Satan's the god of this world. But Jesus is the Lord who's going to conquer and rule and reign forevermore at the, at the, the time appointed by the Father. And so, um, and so, that's, and so that's, that's the war that's going on. And, and for us, we've got our own battle right in the middle of it, right? So the battle lines are drawn, and every Christian has two front lines in, in our battle. Number one is the front line of our own life, the flesh, and learning how to walk in the, in, the Christ, in the obedience of Christ's commands. And then number two is the front line of this world. That's the relationships we have, right? the lives you touch, etc. So the front line of the flesh and the front line of this world. So, so as Christians, God's mandated us to push back the kingdom of darkness, right? So Randy read a little bit about that. We're going to get into that some more. And so that's the front line of our own flesh and then also the front line of the God of this world. We're supposed to push, we're supposed to push back the kingdom of darkness and advance God's kingdom in both of those areas. So to advance the kingdom of God takes the truth of God's word in my own life, right? The lordship of Christ in my own life and then Christ's salvation to those around me. Okay, so that's how we advance the kingdom of God. We bring every thought into captivity, into the obedience of Christ, and then we go and we proclaim Christ to the world around us. So it's sad. So many Christians don't just don't understand this. Nobody's told them. I think you know they think as long as I go to church on Sunday, throw a little bit of money in the offering, and I'm a relatively decent person through the week, then high fives. I'm good. You know everything's happy between me and God. That's that's all that's expected of me. And, but it's like, in their mind, there's no thought of, 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 of the war that's going on, of the battle of their own flesh, of the battle to advance the kingdom of God in the world around them. Either one of those fronts is just like completely off their radar, not even thinking about it at all. I, you know, they just go to church to get a little, a little morsel of, you know, you know, feel good that I did something for God this week, and then I go on with the rest of my week doing whatever I want. They, and a lot of times, we as Christians can live as if the world was our prize or our glory. You know, like more like if we were on home or at home on vacation from the war instead of being in the war in the middle of a battle that has two fronts on it. By the way, when you have two fronts of a battle, you got to be like extra diligent because if you're being diligent on this front, then the enemy can come in on your other front and if and, and vice versa so you've got to be extra diligent on both fronts right it's hard it's hard to fight the more fronts you have the harder it is to fight okay so but here we know better so we're going to be teaching better so and look if you've never heard that before that you've got a two-front battle that you are responsible for well now you know now you're responsible for knowing that so Front line number one, front line of the flesh if you're a Christian then you have this front line because you do not yet have a resurrected body Okay. When we get into heaven, then we're going to have a resurrected body. And then you're not going to have to worry about sin at all. It's not even going to be a thought in your mind to ever want to sin, ever, ever, ever. But as, but as, and you'll have no propensity to ever want to do wrong again. But as long as we're here, then we're going to struggle. We're going to have um, a battle. So Jesus said in Matthew 13, 31, 32, I'll wait for you to get there. 
Matthew 13, 31 and 32. This is just a neat revelation that God showed me oh, about a month ago. And so this is a good place to go ahead and share it. Matthew 13, 31 and 32. This is talking about Jesus. Another parable he put forth to them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in his field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. So if the gospel is planted in your life and you're engaged in the kingdom of heaven, then as you accept God's words as being true, you renew your mind, right? So that's the renewing of the mind in Romans 12, 2 and Ephesians 4, 23. As, and, and as your mind is renewed, you know, day by day, scripture by scripture, as, as you read each day, as you go to church each week, those type of things, as you go to small group, as your mind is renewed, you're transformed into the image of Christ. And then you, then you apply it to your life by the power of the Holy Spirit, you grow spiritually. So you become formed in fashion to be more and more like Jesus Christ. And maturity, so in, so in this little parable that Jesus gave, maturity in spiritual life is symbolized as a tree. And so when, when you do grow up and become, and so if the gospel is planted in your life, then over time as, as you apply the word to your heart by the power of the Holy Spirit, as you apply the word to your life, you're going to change a little bit each day. You're going to change more and change more to become more and more like Christ. And you're going to grow up to be a bigger and bigger tree until, and, 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 that's, and that's a symbol of maturity. And so... As you overcome the front line of your flesh, you're going to flourish in your relationships. People will want to be around you, right? And you're calling because the opportunities to advance the kingdom of God in the world around you are going to open up. And so in the tree of your life will be a blessing to those around you, to the righteous and to the ungodly. So in this parable, birds are almost always symbolic of evil or, you know, bad, negative um, in the Bible. And so the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Why is that? It's because... Uh, the more mature you get, you're going to be a blessing even to the even to the evil people, even to wicked people. So Proverbs 29.2 says, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And so and so that's kind of what this is about. As you as you grow into as, as you grow into spiritual maturity, then you're going to be a blessing to so many people around us, good, bad, all sorts of people around you. So every time you put to death the sin that has become a recurring practice, you advance the kingdom of God in the front line of your flesh. Every time you apply another truth of God's word to your life, you advance the kingdom of God in the battlefront of your flesh. And you're taking ground for God's kingdom by maturing yourself into becoming the full stature of Christ. That's Ephesians 4.13. Right? Where you become... Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are given for the perfecting of the saints, for the maturing of the saints until they, until they you know, become to the full stature of the maturity or the fullness of Christ. And so we're going to go to 2 Corinthians 10 now. And this is, and this is the way Paul described it. I'm going, to, I'm going to read. We'll take a look at 2 Corinthians 10, then we're also going to look at 1 Corinthians 9. So 2 Corinthians 10 and 1 Corinthians 9. And so in 2 Corinthians 10, Paul actually talks about both of these battlefronts. So he says, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 through 6. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, 
casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That's the battlefront of this world, okay? Pulling down strongholds and casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And then the, you know, the battlefront, the front line of the flesh is what follows. It says, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. And so he's got both battlefronts in there. And in 1 Corinthians 9, 27, you can go ahead and jot it down, but I'll, I'll, I'll just read it to you and then we'll jump to 2 Peter. It says, 1 Peter 9, 27, But I discipline my body and I bring it into subjection. This is Paul the Apostle talking. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. If we're not fighting the battle of the flesh, then there's a problem. Paul fought the battle front of the flesh. And if we're not fighting that, then there's a problem. Then that means we've just given up and we're being completely invaded from that side and our life is being overrun with sin and we're going to be disqualified if we don't shake ourselves and get out of it. And then in 2 Peter 1 through 5, I'm sorry, 1, 5 through 11, feel free to jot it down. I'll go ahead and just read it out. 2 Peter 1, 5 through 11. But also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. And so this is all about the battlefront of the flesh. Add to your faith virtue. To virtue, add knowledge. To knowledge, add self-control. To self-control, add perseverance. To perseverance, add godliness. To godliness, add brotherly kindness. And to brotherly kindness, add love. For if these things are yours and abound, then you will be neither barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God will reveal himself to you. He'll show you who he is through the scriptures more and more. If you're, if you're pursuing these things, then God will open up the scriptures to you. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I don't know about you, but I want an abundant entrance into the kingdom of God. When I pass away, everybody's going to pass away. 100% of people pass away. When I pass away, I don't want there to be any doubt on where I'm going. No doubt at all. <laughs> I want an abundant entrance into the kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Huge and abundant. That's what I'm hoping for, to be welcomed in. But you've got to fight the, the front-line battle of the flesh. Otherwise, you will not get that. So that's, so that's number one, the front line of the flesh. Number two is the front line of this world. So this is advancing the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ to the world around me or in the world around me. So if, if you're a Christian, then you have this battlefront also because we still live in a fallen world, right? Even though God's fixing us, transforming us, right? Even though that's, that has happened and continues to happen, even because the whole world around us is just so steeped in you know, issues and problems and sin and evil, you know, you, you don't have to look too far. Just look at the movie ads and then you can, you can see that. Look at what's promoted, the most wicked stuff. So think of those in your world, teachers, students, neighbors, friends or relatives, coworkers, study groups, 
How many of those people are like really living for Christ Jesus? Probably not many. So all of us who are, so anybody who's not living for Christ is on their way to a really, really bad place. It's, and it's called hell. It's a real place. It is just as real as, you know, anything that you could touch today. It's just waiting for people who don't choose Jesus. And it, and it lasts for, for eternity, forever and ever and ever. So if you care about those people enough, do you care about them enough to warn them? Just, just to give them a warning, right? So if you're standing on the side of the road and, you, and on a blind corner, which means that you can't see around the corner, the people driving can't see around the corner, and you were standing there on the side of the road and you saw that on the other side of this blind corner, um, there was a tree, that, a huge tree that fell down. And so any car that comes flying around the corner is going to crash in the tree and they're probably going to get killed. Wouldn't you at least like try to wave them down? You'd, you'd, you'd be at least like, you know, stop, stop, you know, cut motion, you know, or hands in the air waving, something like that. So a Christian is just somebody who, who sees around the blind corner of death. We know what's going to happen after death. One of two things. Either the person gets received up into heaven or the person will get thrown into hell and then eventually to the lake of fire. And those are the only two options, and it's based on whether they choose and follow Jesus or not. So a Christian is somebody who sees around that blind corner of death, and so we can warn people, right? So we can tell them and warn them. That doesn't mean we have to beat them about the head with the Bible, but it means we are, we're responsible to make the message known, and so if they're called by God, then they can you know, engage and repent and have forgiveness. So another one, every time I serve others, every time I lay down my life for another, every time we go and preach the gospel or help others to go and preach the gospel, we are advancing the kingdom of God in the front line of this world. We're taking ground for the kingdom of God by reaching people with Christ's love and his message. Every time we do that. So why do we do VBS? Because we're reaching kids. We're showing kids God's love and telling them about Jesus, about Christ and forgiveness. That's, that's, that's why we do that. Every time we do that, every time we serve, every time we lay our life down, every time we preach, every time we help somebody else to go preach, whatever. So interesting, the rest of this world is, is just oblivious to this battle. It, it, the interesting thing is it's like it's for their, their own soul. You know, Every person has a soul, and it's going to last forever in one place or the other. And they don't even know that there's a battle going on for their souls. But we know, and so it's, it's, up, it's up to us. They're not going to engage in the war. We need to engage in the war on their behalf, right? To pray and to get the message to them and to show them Christ's love. Any of those things, even if they reject the message, as long as we proclaimed it, that's still advancing God's kingdom. Okay. So in the Coast Guard, I had a commission. The commission was um, uh, signed by the Secretary of Transportation, if I remember. Um, back then, today would be the Department of Homeland Security, and that was my commission. It said, Daniel Jones is commissioned as an officer in the United States Coast Guard. And so I traded that for the Great Commission. What's the Great Commission? To find and rescue souls that God has prepared to be reached with the message of salvation in Christ Jesus, right? With, through the forgiveness of sins. So the better we do it, our, by the way, here's another thing. The better we do it, our frontline flesh battle the more bold and successful we'll be in our frontline ministry to the world. That's just that's just the way it goes. So Psalm 4610 says, The wicked flee when nobody pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. So it's like, if I'm living wrong in my heart, then 
when somebody calls calls me out for being a Christian and says, hey, aren't, aren't you a Christian? Then I'm going to get like weak need and trembling and, you know, just be a wimp. And because the wicked flee when no man pursues because they know they did wrong. So it's like they hear footsteps and they're imagining footsteps and then they run away scared, right? Because they did wickedness. They know they did wickedness. But the righteous are bold as a lion. So if I'm living right for God, if I'm walking his way, then I don't have any anything to be ashamed of if people you know ask me about my Christianity. I know I haven't been living wrong, been living in sin. So I'm I am free to just go ahead and be bold in my frontline ministry to the world, right? So as we mature with God, He's going to guide us into our fit and flourish in ministry, right? Like as 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 we as we gain success and gain ground and gain territory in our front line of the flesh, he's going to also open up doors of opportunity in our front line of ministry too. So, what it looks like. So we're going to look at Mark sixteen fourteen. This is what it looks like to be on mission, engaged in the battle on both fronts. Engaged in the battle on both fronts. This is what it's supposed to look like when we're walking with God and living for Jesus Christ, fighting the battle of the flesh and fighting the you know on on the battlefront of this world this is what it looks like this is what jesus said it was it would look like and he said to them in verse 15 go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature so it's go and preach and it's interesting go into all the world not some but all the world and preach the gospel to every creature why did he say creature well every that's i mean that's pretty interesting every every creature not just some but every creature why creature though i I think it's just and so he didn't have to do well first of all because mark likes to um just ex- expand a little bit he likes to show the bigness of things and so he's saying to every not just every person but every creature I, I think what he really meant is to every person man woman child all of god's creations all of those creations of god preach the gospel to all of them right and so that's what we do that's what we do with vbs that's why vbs is a big deal because we're getting the chance to preach to kids and be a blessing to kids and to show them god's love then it says he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and so if we believe then we'll go through with baptism because christ commanded it but if we don't believe then baptism is off the table anyway so he who believes and is baptized will be saved but he who does not believe will be condemned and Jesus said, they're condemned already because light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. And these signs will follow those who believe in my name. And so and so this is interesting. So so we, we have this eternal benefit of salvation, right? Of living together forever with God, with Jesus in heaven, salvation together with him forever and ever and ever, the eternal benefit. Even if that was the only benefit, that would be still more than worth it. But he just adds more on top. And so, and so some, of these, some of the additional benefits here, and these signs will follow those who believe. And so if we believe for following, right, these signs are going to follow us. We don't chase these signs, but these signs follow us, and, and we're not scared to engage in these signs. In my name, they will cast out demons. Only happens through Jesus' name, and, and really it's all his power. It's really not even that hard of a thing to do. It's his power that does it, and demons, and demons just run away. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak with new tongues. Interesting, the word new here is is qualitatively new and better. It's like, not like, oh, they just learned Spanish or they just learned Portuguese. No, no, no. This is something completely new and a whole lot better than any speech that you've got. He's talking about speaking in tongues here, though. 
So they will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. And Randy already mentioned about that. Um, you know, where is needed if, if a serpent were to happen to go ahead and, you know, bite the Apostle Paul type thing, then they just throw it down and it, and it won't hurt him. If they drink anything deadly, which if you don't do, we never do that. Um, but if it were to happen on accident, then it will by no means hurt them. So protection, right? So these signs follow us, right? Cast out demons, speak with new tongues, snakes can't hurt you, poison can't hurt you, that type of thing. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. So, so those are just some of the some of the you know benefits that God does through here. Why does he do those things? To authenticate his message. Because he wants the people around us who are watching us to say, Oh, that must be true, because look at the power, look at what happened. So he told me about Jesus. And then, you know, the cancer left my body when you prayed for me. That's got to be the power of God, because that doesn't normally happen. So God does those things to authenticate our message, right? Okay, so, but the world wants to keep us quiet. Satan wants to shut up you and shut up me. But if we're silent, then he wins. Satan wins. Then he gets to keep all those people. So God just needs us to put the message out there. He'll do with it what he wants. But we need to have the boldness and the courage to at least get the message out there, right? And then the more backing we'll have from him. If if we're faithful to get the message out on the table, to push it out, you know, into into the, the dark world around us. And so we've got this battlefront of darkness that's looming and trying to push against us and telling us to be quiet and shut up. But if we push back and push our message further past and into that darkness, there's people on the other side of that darkness who are going to hear and they're going to listen and they're going to come to faith. But we're the ones that need to push the message into the darkness. The message isn't going to get into the darkness on its own. Somebody's got to be here pushing it into the darkness. And that's what and that's what we're doing here. And that's what we're going to continue to do here, I pray. And so a couple other scriptures I just wanted to show in Acts chapter 4. So this is, and so Jesus said, what's going to happen when you do believe, when you do follow? And then, and then here's just a couple examples of it. Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. God gives us boldness. When we spend time with Jesus, then he gives us boldness to go and push that darkness back. Right? Okay. And then in verse 17 through 21, this is the um, leaders of the, um, the Jewish leaders threatening uh, Peter and uh, James. But, it, but so that it spreads no further among the people, let us severely threaten them that from now on they speak to no man in this name. That's what Satan would love to do, to threaten us and tell us, stop telling people about Jesus. Stop wearing him on your T-shirt. Stop putting the signs out. Stop this racket that you're trying to make. Stop putting flyers on cars. Stop all this stuff about trying to bring up the name of Jesus. That's Satan's goal. That's what, that's what the Jewish leaders tried to do back then, and that's what Satan's still trying to do today. Verse 18, so they called them and commanded them not to speak at all or teach in the name of Jesus. Doesn't that sound kind of familiar? Knock it off, arise church. Stop all this racket you're doing. But Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. 
So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way of punishing them because of the people, since they all glorified God for what had been done. That's the reason for the signs, is, to, is, is that people would see and glorify God for what he's done through you. Okay? Okay. And then in verse 29 to 33. And so this is the apostles and the rest of the people praying. Now, Lord, look on their threats and grant to your servants that with all boldness we may speak your word by stretching forth your hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they, all, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. And then it talks about how they had, in verse 33, and with great power the apostles gave witness to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. So there was great power, there was great grace, and as other people heard about it, in verse 5, chapter 5, verse 5, it says, uh, Great fear came upon all those who heard these things. And then in verse 11, great fear came upon all the church and upon all those who heard these things. Great power, great grace, great fear. All sorts of incredibly great things happened just because they were bold enough to push the message out into the darkness. So the louder and bolder they got, the more persecution happened. And the louder and bolder we get, the more persecution will happen too. But also, the more effective we'll become. So that's the thing. So if we go along with Satan's thing about just being quiet, then we could be just another quiet little mouse church in Albany. There's plenty of those around, right? You don't hear about them. You don't see from them. The message isn't getting pushed out into the darkness. As long as the paycheck money comes in, the lights are on, everybody gets a, you know goes home with the paycheck, everybody's happy. No, 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 no. We're not going to be like that. Albany needs a roaring lion church. That's what Albany needs. So we are going to be that church. That's my prayer. That no matter how big we get, no matter how successful we may look, that we would always strive for more. More territory for the kingdom of God, always pushing the message out into the darkness. Because there's somebody out there in that darkness that's going to hear it for the first time. It's going to click, and they're going to come to faith. Only if we push the message further into the darkness. We're not going to draw a battle line and say, okay, we'll just take this, you know, this territory of, to be the kingdom of God and Satan, you can have the rest. No, 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 no. As long as there's five people or ten people in Albany who don't know the message of Jesus, then we're going to keep pushing the message into the darkness to take more territory for the kingdom of God in our own lives on the battlefront of the flesh and then also on the battlefront of the world. Rescue more souls for Christ to proclaim and preach Christ bolder and louder. So I'm gonna I want, I want to read oh, chapter five Acts five verses twelve through sixteen. And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly, and believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Isn't that amazing? So Peter didn't even have to touch them to heal them. Didn't have to pray for them at all. When Peter walked the streets, if his shadow landed on a sick person, the sick person would be healed. And that's in uh, verse 16. And, and also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem. So people from the surrounding cities came to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. 
Those are the things God does when we push the message out into the darkness. And so another thing that I'd really like for us to do, maybe in September, October, something like that, to start having like maybe a once every couple months thing, a, um, a night of healing. And to, and to go ahead and, you know, rent the VFW or somewhere and, and, and just say, okay, you know, put out, you know, in the, you know, in the local penny savers that we're going to pray for people to be healed. So come on out. That kind of thing. Wouldn't that be cool? I'll bet you some people would come. And I'll bet you that God would step up the game and he'd, he'd heal some people. So, oh, and then in Acts 19, verses 4 through 8. Acts 19, verses 4 through 8. And so this is the Apostle Paul. Then Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who was to come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on him, them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now the men were about twelve in all. It doesn't take a lot. There were only twelve of them. And he went into the synagogue and spoke boldly for three months, reasoning and persuading concerning the things of the kingdom of God. You see, he's, see how bold he is? Boldly for three months he goes and he reasons and speaks about the kingdom of God. And then later on it says, in the book of Acts it says, they turned the world upside down. The world as it was, was in its normal order as appointed by the kingdom of darkness. And the apostles came along and they pushed the message of Jesus into the darkness so much that it caused havoc and it flipped the world upside down. It caused everybody to come in, you know, face to face with the truth of their sin, with the truth of Jesus as, as a savior, as the only savior for them to believe in or not. And it just completely turned the world upside down. Let's turn Albany upside down. How about that? Where Jesus boldly Proclaim Jesus loudly and then preach Jesus continually. So the neat thing about Vacation Bible School, one, one of the things, that I, I, I like the songs. I just get a lot out of them. Um, one, of the, one of the things is, one of the little phrases in, this, in one of the songs was, get in the game. You know, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? Get in the game. And then, and then you kind of like act like you're pushing the big football player into the big game so he could go win it for the team, right? Get in the game. And so, and so what I'm saying is, let's get in the game. We've got a two-battle front, or a two-front battle. We need to get in the game on both of those fronts. The front line of the flesh, we need to be overcoming. We need to be conquering there. And then we have the front line of this world. We need to get in the game there also. And that's why we're doing two more VBSs down here, so we can push the message into the darkness. And that's why we're going to have a lot of fun also. We're doing mascot mania and stuff like that. It's going to be a blast. It really is. It's a, lo it's a lot of fun when God starts showing up and moving in people's hearts to see, you know, little kids rejoicing before the Lord, to see people come to see or to, to, to realize God's love. It really is so much fun. So we got a couple of VBSs coming. We've got a, a concert to go. And just, an, one, just one other thing that I wanted to go ahead and mention. Um, when we do that, when we push the message out into the darkness, then, God, then that's like it becomes our spiritual food. God gives us energy out of that. And so this is in John 4. So Jesus, you don't have to turn there, but I'll just go ahead and read it to you. 427 through 34. So after evangelizing the woman at the well, right, Jesus talked to the woman at the well, and then she went and evangelized the whole city, right? Then his disciples came back and they're like, why is he talking with the woman? 
And, and they said, hey, aren't you hungry, Rabbi? Why, why don't you go ahead and eat some? And he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know of. And, they're, and, and they scratch their heads and they're like, what, is he like have beef jerky with them or something? You know, where, where, where did he get this extra food? Did, did somebody bring something for him to eat? And Jesus said, to them, he, knew, he knew that's what they were thinking and saying to each other. And so then he went ahead and answered the question. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And the will that, of the one who sent me, the one who sent Jesus right there was to evangelize the woman and let her go and evangelize the town. And that brought him spiritual energy. And I'll tell you, there's so much spiritual energy that I got out of VBS because the food to eat um, that people don't know about is when we serve others for Christ. When we go and push the message out, when we preach, when we evangelize, when we show the love of Christ to others, then God gives us spiritual nourishment because our food is to do the will of him who sent us and to finish his work. So we have a lot coming up this summer, but you know what? It's going to be really cool, and I think that um, if we're faithful to just push the message out into the darkness, to, to fight the battle on both fronts, not just one front, not giving up and we're not thinking that there's no fronts, but to fight the battle on the front of the flesh, the front line of the flesh and the front line of this world, we keep doing that. And I just really believe God's going to strengthen us, empower us, give us spiritual nourishment, open doors, and do signs and wonders to support the message and so we could proclaim his glory. So we'll go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us. Thank you for Jesus, our Savior. Thank you for the message that you've given us to share in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, help us to push that message out into the darkness. Help us to take ground, take territory for your kingdom in our own lives, on the front line of our flesh, and then in the, in, in, in the world around us, the front line of the world, to be able to get the message of Jesus out to this city so that this city would be turned upside down by the name of Jesus Christ, by the preaching of the cross, by your truth. Heavenly Father, let Jesus be famous here. Give us the strength and the power to do that. Give us the boldness and the courage to do that. And Heavenly Father, we just ask that you would do like your word says in Mark 16 and in the book of Acts, that you would do mighty signs and wonders to authenticate the message and to bring people to Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, we ask that in, it seems like the harder a place is, you know, the more spiritually dark a place is, the more you release signs and wonders to be done. So Heavenly Father, we ask that you would do that in us and through us. So just like it says in the book of Acts, many were added daily, and great, uh, great fear came upon all, great grace was upon them, and great power uh, was seen through the preaching of the, of the apostles. Please do these things here, now, today, in this city, through this church. We're asking that you would. And we're thanking you that you will, because your word says, whatsoever you ask in my, in my name, it will be done for you. So we ask that you would do that. We praise you. We thank you for this day. We ask that you would just protect us, protect our families, keep us safe. Lead us in your way and in your truth. Open our eyes to see more out of your word, to understand your truth more clearly. We pray that you would be glorified as we take ground on the front line of the flesh and in the front line of this world.
And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.